I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Kenneth Fearing's study of a deadly obsession. Desperate witness. Starring Richard Kramer. Keenan Wynn. And Julie Adams. Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by General Motors and National Presto Industries. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. Why this guy hasn't come out? He's here, but but where is he? 
Well, maybe he left before we threw a lot around the place. No, not a chance. Well, he may have simply walked in one door and out the other. Perhaps he knew he was being followed. Oh, no, no, no. I'm the one who had the first contact. I know. That porter followed him right to the elevator. He took an express. He could be anywhere above the 18th floor. For all we know, he's somewhere up here in our own organization. But what can we do about it? He'll show. I thought time was of the essence. It is. Oh, what is it, Roy? What's the matter? The painting. The one the man bought? No. The one on the wall there. Oh, well, that one. What about it? Well, just that... Well, we, we've all been in and out of here every day for a week. I don't think any of us recognized it's the same style as the Judas. We can't all be art critics. All right, come on. It's time to spell the guys downstairs. Wait, George, it occurs to me that if he doesn't show... If he doesn't show, what? Well, we could take those eyewitnesses with the building police, of course, and some of our own men and go through the whole place from top to bottom, cover every office. It'd take a couple of hours, but we'd know. That sounds like a good idea, Roy. Yeah. But let's, uh... Let's wait on it, shall we, until we've had a chance to clear it with Hagen. After all, this is his baby. I don't want to take the play away from him, do we? Well, all right, we'll, we'll wait a while then. The pieces of the puzzle were falling into place. All but the one that had my face. I knew that every obstacle I threw in front of my staff only bought me minutes, an hour or two at the most. Everyone was on my back. Don Klausmeyer called four times. Louise Patterson was threatening to sue the magazine for libel. Don was trying to talk some sense into her. Haven't you caught your murderer yet? Well, uh, <clears throat> we aren't looking for any murderer, Miss Patterson. I've told you. I know what you've told me. Think I got a memory like a suit? We've located the man who bought your picture, Miss Patterson. We believe we know where he is, and he'll be found at any moment. And we wish you'd come to the office so you can identify him. Of course, we'll pay you for your time and trouble. We'll give you $100 if you'll help us. So you found your murderer, huh? And, well, I want to impress upon you, we're not looking for a murderer, Miss Patterson. I assure you of that. We want this man in some altogether different connection. Hogwash. Uh, I beg your pardon? Look, fool your readers. Don't try to fool Louise Patterson. A hundred bucks? I don't take time off my work to identify any murderer for less than two fifty. Well, I... I'm sorry I'm not authorized to go that high. Well, you better get authorized, Sonny, or I don't go to the trouble of combing my hair. The witnesses downstairs were getting restless. Several of my men called up about how long they'd have to wait. I still hadn't called Hagen. I expected Roy to walk in and ask why any second. Instead, it was Don Klausenmeyer. He didn't have to tell me who was with him. I could hear her in my outer office through the door. Offering a hundred bucks. Look at the money they spend around here for furniture. I've got Patterson outside. What's she doing up here, Don? The witnesses are all supposed to be in the lobby, covering the elevators, the stairways, the exits. Oh, she's she's willing to help identify her man, but she wants a chair with a footstool, an ashtray, a pot of coffee, and two hundred and fifty dollars. Three hundred. George, this is Miss Patterson, the artist. I stood up. My hand had gone to stone, but still I went through the motions, extended it. She didn't see my hand. She saw nothing in the room except her painting, Study in Fury, on my wall. My Study in Fury? Oh, wow. Look how it's placed there on the wall. In perfect light. And that frame's got real taste. Well, I uh, admire all of your paintings, Miss Patterson. Well... 
It's refreshing to find someone in this cheapskate organization who appreciates the finer... Her eyes turned straight on me. She knew who I was. Well, officer, what on earth can I do for you? I wasn't going too fast, was I? Yes, ma'am. License, please. Here. It says here on the license, ma'am, you wear corrective lenses. Oh, those. Well, where are they, ma'am? Oh, I wore those when I was nearsighted. But would you believe that by not wearing glasses, my eyes have grown stronger? No, ma'am. Well, officer, I'll just prove it to you. The license on your car is P77548. I know, ma'am, but that's ten feet away. What about that sign down the road there? How can you expect me to read anything that far away? Ma'am, even if you have 20-20 vision, driving 60 miles an hour, you've got just four seconds to read that sign. Half that if it's at night. Okay, officer. I'm guilty. Give me my ticket. Look, I'll tell you what, ma'am. If you have your glasses with you, put them on. I'll let you off with just a warning. Oh, I do have them. There. How's that look? Very pretty, ma'am. Now read me that sign down the road. Okay. It says, road ends 500 feet. Oh, no. This message was brought to you by the General Motors Corporation. We'll return to our story in a moment. This land is your land. America, the greatest nation on earth. But as our country continues to grow, it must face the problems of expansion, such as the now ominous shortages of fuel and energy. There are ways you can help conserve these vital resources. Reduce thermostat settings by two or three degrees. Shut off lights and heat in rooms not in use. And reduce the consumption of electricity in late afternoon or evening. Remember, in conserving fuel and energy, you help yourself and your community. Service message is presented by the President's Office of Emergency Preparedness and the Office of Consumer Affairs. Louise Patterson hesitated for no more than a heartbeat. Mine. There was no question that she'd recognize me, none whatsoever. I waited the eternal moment for her to say, This is the one, this is the man you're looking for. That beat me out of my own painting for 50 bucks. Hang him. And while I waited for the trap to be sprung, Klausmeyer added to my anguish. Hey, that's where I saw the painting that reminded me of her other one. Right here on your wall. I knew I'd seen it somewhere. <laughs> I think I've looked at it every day and not been aware of it. Why didn't you tell us you had a Patterson, George? Oh, why? This painting isn't missing. I assumed you all knew I had it. It's been hanging there for over two years. Yeah, but why didn't you tell us that she had painted it? <laughs> what was there to tell? I liked it. I bought it. It's been there ever since. Would you care for a drink, Miss Patterson? Anything. A double anything. Surely. It's very kind of you to help us. I imagine Don explained what we're doing. You're looking for a murderer. No, we're looking for a man. Yes, I know. I know everything. Mr. Stroud, I really do. I don't doubt it. I'm sure you do, Miss Patterson. And to think you have my study in fury. <laughs> and I live with it every day of my life. I love it. You do? You really do? Completely. I like all of your work. I have four or five hanging at home. 
I'm, as you might say, a kind of a one-man Louise Patterson fan club. Well, where the hell's my study in fundamentals? The one your lousy magazine called Judas. I, I told her we'd try to get it back for her, George. You promised me. I didn't say we had it, Miss Patterson. I meant that if we found a man, we'd automatically find a picture. Oh, yes, that does make sense. Doesn't it, Mr. Stroud? Or do you think, as I do, Mr. Stroud, that the man, this murderer, to keep from being discovered, has probably already destroyed the painting? No, Miss Patterson, I don't think so. I have reason to believe your painting is quite safe. Unless, of course, the man should get nervous. But I fully believe it'll be recovered. Provided everything else goes off all right. Do you fully understand? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Mr. Stroud. It had damn well better be safe since your magazine has said its value is priceless. Oh, we're very careful about things like that, Miss Patterson. Here, let me uh, refresh your drink. Dry this time. You know, you hung that painting beautifully. You have a very good eye. Yeah, I could do no less for such a distinctive work of art. Of course you couldn't. Where do you want me to play watchdog, Klaus Meyer? She belted her second double and walked out with him. It was a reprieve, and I'd won it by sheer blackmail. Artists are curious. The slim thread that I'd framed her painting well and that I was a collector, even in a minor way, kept her quiet. I knew why she hadn't identified me. The fact I'd not destroyed her painting, my threat that I still would, if she opened her mouth. <sighs> I shuddered to think how close I'd come to getting rid of that canvas. But she could still make trouble. She was erratic enough. My relief was no more than a spasm in time, because... Roy was back, and this time there was no more stall. George, I'm going to lose my witnesses downstairs unless we get some action. Did you clear it with Hagen? Oh, I'm sorry, Roy. I forgot. Look, you're in charge. You don't need Hagen. All right. All right, Roy. Get started. But I want to be kept informed of every move. Let me know what floor you start on, which direction you're working on, and where you're going. Okay. ever watched his whole life go to bits and pieces, carrying with it the lives of those close to him without a, a silent protest. Stroud. Roy here. We're on the 18th floor now. All exits closed, all down elevators being stopped for inspection. There's just one way to go. Up. There were bulletins from floors 19, 20, 21. Five floors till they would get to me. As the distance narrowed, the time shortened. I could only reach out to one person. My wife. Hello? It's Georgia? <laughs> Who are you expecting? <laughs> Hello, where were you running? Oh, I, I was outside. You know, a gopher ate the roots of our baby elm tree. He just fell over. I'm sorry, hon. I'll get you another one, huh? Oh, I'm so sorry. George, it's not that important. You sound so worried. It's just a gopher in a tree. I am. Yes. George, what's wrong? Did you call me because something's wrong? No. 
No, no, sweetheart. No, I just I wanted to... just want to talk for a minute, that's all. Well, let's talk. I love you. After I hung up, I sat there. Where would I go now? What would I fight with? I had to make one last desperate effort to put it all together. To survive. Some gifts don't do anything. But Presto gifts do almost everything. Presto gifts. They do things for a woman. Give her the Presto slow cooker. It browns the meat, then simmers the complete meal for her for hours. Even while she's gone all day. No watching or stirring. Presto gifts. They do things for a woman. Give her a Tilton Store portable range. The lightweight electric range she can take anywhere. And she can tilt it up for compact and easy storage. Presto gifts. They do things for a woman. Give her Presto's Create and Serve pan. The all-in-one pan that cooks and serves almost any dish, from stews to fondues, right at the table. This year, give the gifts that do almost everything. Give Presto gifts. Presto gifts. They do things for a woman. The Zero Hour continues after this. Ladies and gentlemen, Barbara Streisand. Children. Mentally retarded children. There are so many causes of mental retardation. Some we know, some we don't. I can't say to you if you do this or if you do that, you won't have a retarded child. But through research, we hope one day to be able to say that. In the meantime, there's the help we can give to those already born mentally retarded. Because the retarded can be helped. But it takes a lot of money. If you'd like to cut the odds a bit in favor of the next mother and father who will bring a child into this uncertain world, whether it's your child, a grandchild, or the child of a friend, support the work of your local association of the National Association for Retarded Children. Cast a little bread upon the waters. stayed longer on the phone with my wife than I thought. The phone hadn't been in its cradle more than 10 seconds when there was another bulletin from Roy. We're starting the 22nd floor now, George. That's fine, thanks. The choice was simple. It was Janet or me. I got up out of my chair and I headed to the elevator with a half-formed idea that there might be some safety in the very heart of the enemy's territory. Steve Hagen's at Janet's offices on the 32nd floor. Inside the elevator, I punched the button. I was alone. In a steel box, a momentary haven. I leaned against the wall and I closed my eyes and I tried to shut it all out. I heard the doors open. I stepped out and I started toward the executive offices. But these weren't the executive offices. This was the accounting floor. The 22nd floor. Without realizing it, I punched the wrong button and I'd gone down. I could hear their voices coming up the stairwell. 
I raced back to the elevator and I pushed the up button. Excellent, get in the elevator. I held my finger on the button, but the elevator didn't move. I could hear them through the door. He went in here, I saw him. Did you recognize him? No, I didn't. After an interminable moment, I was going up. Even though no one had recognized me, I got off the 31st floor, I punched the elevator down, and I walked up to the 32nd. I had to sit in Hagen's outer office. Janeth was inside, but the secretary refused to announce me. Big conference going on. I waited, pacing all the time up and back in the reception room, wondering what floor of the pack had reached by now. I was looking out the window when I heard a door open. For a moment, I thought they reached here. It was Steve Hagen. George, I've been trying to reach you. Come on in. In Hagen's office, besides Hagen, the office held Earl Janeth, several big stockholders, editors, lawyers from both sides, and Fred Steichel, managing editor of Jeanette Donahue. All of them looked slightly embarrassed, except Steichel, who seemed apologetic. And Janeth, who radiated more than his customary assurance came forward and he heartily shook my hand. And I saw that the self-confidence was instead nervous tension mounting to near hysteria. George, I'm very glad to see you. Uh, you can frame what I'm about to say on paper and issue a bulletin to the entire staff. I'm terribly sorry I couldn't have had the pleasure of speaking to each and every one of them personally. I, uh... I have consented to step aside and prevent a merger with the firm of Janet Dunahue. The entire staff stays on. I hope they'll all give Mr. Steichel the same loyalty they gave to me and uh, to Steve. I... Everybody shook hands. It was all very polite. And they left, leaving Hagen, Janet, and myself. And they just stood and looked at each other in shock. It was as though they'd forgotten I was there. The door opened before I could get to it. It was Roy. Behind him were a porter from Gill's and a waiter from the Van Barth. We've drawn a blank so far, George. Only thing left of these offices. I think we should go through them thoroughly. Now drop it, Roy. The assignment's killed. You mean uh, send them all away? That's right, send them all away. The conspiracy problem's resolved. Janeth Enterprises is under new management. But, but, but what about the witnesses? You, you can't, can't just take the time like this. Just 20 bucks extra. I'll sign the vouchers later. What? Well, well, that's what Mr. Hagen wants. That's what he wants. Hello? Yes, who's there? It's for you, Strauss. <laughs> No? Mr. Strahd, you're a tough man to find. Who is this? The cabbie on 58th Street, remember? You can send me the other 20, I found your man. My partner picked up a guy you were looking for Saturday night around 10.30. He identified him from the picture you gave me. When are you coming by, huh? I'll be there tomorrow morning. Thanks. During my conversation on the phone... Janeth, as though sleepwalking, had gone into his own office. I started toward it. Don't go in there, Stroud. Let him alone. All right, Steve. Then you tell him. 
There's a certain cabbie on 58th Street who identified Janeth as the fare he took from there to your address just minutes after Pauline Dulles was murdered. There's no alibi. Janeth never got the message. Just how long it took him to fall 32 floors, I don't know. But it was all over for Earl Janeth. The crowd was still milling around when I came out of the building for the first time in two days. The news flash was already on the radio as I walked into the nearest bar, belted a couple of drinks. Louise Patterson was in there. Well, I'll buy you a drink after that circus in the street. Then I want my painting back. You mean the Judas? You know what I mean. I mean my study in fundamentals. Where is it? What have you done with it? Nothing. Nothing is home. Why would I have destroyed it? Because it proves you killed Pauline Dellis. I didn't kill her. Then why were we looking for you? To find the painting. Remember, it's priceless. Devil talk. You're worse than that worm, Klausmeyer. I want my painting back. That was the deal. No go. No, I bought it. It's mine. I won't give it up. But you only paid 50 bucks for it. You know, I learned a lot. That painting gave me an education. I'll never give it up. I'll tell you what I'll do, though. I'll give you the one in my office, the study in Fury, and one of the others I have at home in trade. Three others. <laughs> Two. I'll drink to that. I can't get over it. Your boss jumps from the window because his business collapsed. Everyone has his own reason. I don't understand that. My business comes apart every time I finish a painting. You're luckier than he was. Thanks for the drink. Have another? No. No, thanks. I'm going home. Where every good married man should go. You think they'll ever find who killed that woman? Probably. It won't matter now. I stepped outside. I took a long, deep breath, and I headed for my car. The big, silent, invisible clock was moving along as usual. Only this time it was off my back. At least for a little while. You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour. Did you say God? Well, I know him by everything you say and do. Did you say God? Well, I've seen him. Just like to say, if you're a veteran just returning to civilian life, 
the Veterans Administration urges you to take advantage of your rights under the GI Bill. If you need additional education, you may have as much as 36 months of schooling coming to you. If you haven't finished high school, you may do so and still have your full GI school time coming to you for college or other education. You get paid every month while you work toward your diploma. So, why not get on with that GI schooling? Don't let the opportunities that could be yours pass you by because you aren't prepared. Don't let the rights you earn while in uniform go unused. This is Buddy Merrill saying, get full information from VA. Get started in school under the GI Bill and follow the road to success that millions of veterans have taken. That concludes this week's production of The Zero Hour, Kenneth Fearing's Desperate Witness. Next week, we'll begin another exciting dramatization of a tale of mystery and suspense. We'll tell our story in five days, at the same time, Monday through Friday. So on Monday, rest your eyes and listen here to The Zero Hour. I'm Rod Serling. Today's episode brought to you in part by General Motors and National Presto Industries. This is the Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. You have been listening to The Zero Hour, a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System in association with Hollywood Radio Theater. Heard every weekday at this time. Rod Serling is your host. Zero Hour is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis. The Hollywood Radio Theater theme was played by Ferranti and Teicher and is now available on United Artists Records and Tapes. Hugh Douglas speaking. Tune in Monday and once again... Rest your eyes and listen here... To the Zero Hour. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.